live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. How are you on this hot Wednesday, June 8th, the year 2022? The regular crowd shuffles in James Mesh back in the game studios. He is uh, pushing the buttons and providing all the tunes as our producer inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also thrilled to be in Lake Charles or on 1041. We're streaming 1037 thegame.com, 1041 thegame.com. So there's another option. Uh, that you have. And if you're in the Acadiana area and want to see this mug, well, we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. So a myriad of ways to find us each and every day, Monday through Friday, from 2 till 4 p.m. Central Time. We're brought to you by Cajun Chef, best hot sauce on the planet, the Beard family for decades now right there in St. Martinville from uh, tradition handed down from generation to generation uh, using the, the the best peppers that you can find in the world, adding their secret ingredients to it. And voila, Cajun Chef hot sauce to go along with the myriad of other tasty treats that they have. Good for your pizzas, good for your salad bars. You could find them at your favorite restaurant. You can find them at your favorite grocery store, but you can't find it everywhere. So that's why I keep a small bottle of Cajun Chef in my car wherever I travel, because things just taste better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. Busy show planned for you and yours. We'll cover game three of the NBA finals. We will talk about the Saints and their upcoming uh, mandatory training camp. We'll hit some recruiting notes. Um, and we'll talk all things college sports on Hump Day with Huguenin. It's all coming your way today. Um, with all the, the COVID extensions and transfers, it's hard to kind of figure out who's in and who's out when it comes to LSU baseball. Um, yeah, it, There's 23 players that are draft eligible five players have no eligibility remaining of the 23 those five Devin Fontenot and Mikhail Hilliard pictures catcher Tyler McManus Trey Schaefer and picture Trent Vetmeyer no college eligibility remaining for them there's a bunch of players though that are draft eligible And depending upon what their feelings are about LSU, what their feelings are about school, what their feelings are about where they get drafted, how much money is slotted there will determine a lot for a Cade Beloso. Jacob Berry is going to be a high first-round pick. Say goodbye. Drew Bianco, he may be tired of school. He's been around a long time. Jason Bowman, Bryce Collins, Collier Cranford, Giovanni DiGiacomo, Cade Doty, 
Gavin Duga. That'd be great if those two could come back, right? Ty Floyd, Paul Gervais, Jacob Hasty, all on the mound. Might be nice to have them back along with Eric Reiselman. So lots to be determined here. One thing for sure, Dylan Cruz, Josh Pearson, Trey Morgan, Jordan Thompson are not yet draft eligible and are expected to return unless for whatever various re- uh, and the sundry reasons, if one of them wants to enter the portal, who knows? Who knows? So we'll keep an eye on that uh, throughout the course of um, this offseason to see how Jake Johnson shapes and maneuvers his his roster um, because he's got a heck of a recruiting class, 21 players ranked number one in the nation by perfect game, um, 11 top 100 players in the overall national rankings, 10 players selected to play in the perfect game All-American Classic, four of the top junior college pitchers in the United States, and 13 players that are ranked number one at their position in their respective states. Of course, the big question is how many of these are going to remain committed to LSU when the major league draft of 2022 comes around. It begins in about uh, six weeks on July 17th. So that's the that's the, the quandary uh, and the dilemma that faces college baseball coaches. They get, a, they, they get commitments from great players, and then Major League Baseball comes in and takes who they want, when they want, and how they want. So we'll keep you abreast of that. Um, a lot of talk about this live tour of golf. Let me put it in perspective. Bryson DeChambeau is getting paid over $100 million in guaranteed money to join the tour. PGA Tour and your officials and your leadership, get over it. You can't compete with that. The Saudi back league have paid somewhere between 400 and 500 million for DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, and Dustin Johnson. Why would those players not go play in that new tour? I mean, <laughs> why would they not? What can that that's just to show up. He doesn't have to come in first to shamble. He doesn't have to come in 10th. He can come in dead last and get 100 million dollars in guaranteed money. You realize they're going to make more money than some of the the greatest of the greats have in their entire career just in one little golf season? Just one. So get over it, PGA Tour. Um, You cannot compete with this. And the good news is, much to their sense of smartness, these players will get to play in the majors. Maybe the PGA major championship will disallow them, but they'll get to play in the Masters, the U.S. Open, 
the British Open. Why wouldn't they? So now what does the PGA Tour do? Why And why, why isn't the, the Live Tour going after more? This is chump change for these multi-gazillionaires. Chump change. So anyway, uh, today marks the 31st anniversary of the 1991 LSU Baseball National Championship team. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Great memories 31 years ago. The first for Skip Bertman and then and the first of many, many, many more to come. So congratulations to all those players uh, for what they accomplished. Game three of the NBA Finals tonight takes place in Boston. And... I don't know where this game's going to go. I don't know how it's going to go. Um, Boston's not lost back-to-back games in this playoffs, uh, all this playoff season. Celtics are three-and-a-half-point favorites. It's an 8 o'clock tip. Um, everybody's talking about Draymond Green and this, that, and the other. You, you got far more worries than Draymond Green. You just got to tune him out, and you got to focus on Steph Curry and see what you can do to stop him. Meanwhile, the Celtics, when you play at home, uh, your your backup, your role players that come off the bench, they tend to play a lot better. So so we'll see uh, how this goes. Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton, um, status not known for the Warriors. Robert Williams the third, status not known for the Boston Celtics for tonight. They're always called the proverbial day-to-day. So Celtics favored by three and a half. We will have much more on that. Uh, And the Saints, and oh, by the way, Drew Brees is no longer involved with NBC. He says it was a family decision. Now, I'm not one to cast disparaging comments and remarks. But Drew was not what NBC expected as an analyst. I think Drew found out that it was a lot of hours, a lot of hard work, a lot of travel for very limited time on the air. A lot of time just sitting there waiting, watching the game, and then you got quick little hits here, quick little hit there, and you're done. And it just didn't come out as good TV, you got to have a sense of humor. You have to have bombastic takes. You've got to be able to move the proverbial needle. And Drew didn't do that. So Drew is saying it was a decision. I want to be with my family. NBC is saying, Drew, that's a great thing, but we just aren't interested in you anymore. We're going in different directions. You see Tom Brady already getting that multi hundred three hundred million dollar package to get uh, to, to become an analyst for Fox I guarantee you somebody's going to scoop up Aaron Rodgers as soon as he retires and I think Aaron Rodgers will be phenomenal as an analyst drew really good quarterback not so good with TV nothing to be ashamed of Go spend time with your family. You've earned so much money. 
You don't need to fool with it. You've got investments left and right. Go relax. Forget about the travel. Forget about all that. Be a wife, be a husband, be a dad. There you go. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day. Um, it's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. There'll be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personality, including Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, who will be broadcasting live from the party. That's always fun. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. All right, game three of the NBA Finals gets us started. Ali Cassell. And hey, rumors, whispers are out there that uh, Michael Thomas and Zion Williamson both working out at the Saints slash Pelicans training facilities this week. Gotta make you feel good, right? Gotta make you feel good. We'll talk all about it next here on the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Astros and the LSU Tigers. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, it's game three of the NBA Finals. Um, interested in seeing what's the latest news on the New Orleans Pelicans as the the much-anticipated NBA draft is later on this month. Um, and then we'll see what kind of wheeling and dealing goes on within the organization, a team that's kind of knocking on the door of uh, what we anticipate to be a heck of a season. And so with that in mind, our good friend, one of the best in the business, Ali Cassell, who's the editor-in-chief of At The Bird Rights, covering the New Orleans Pelicans for SB nation ali it's been a while man how how the heck you been how's your summer going uh it's been great jordy just got back in town uh went and actually saw some family this past weekend so that was great yeah. getting away and then still having the nba playoffs so i don't think there's a better combination because they've been great <laughs> I, i'm loving so far what we've seen out of these two games between the, the warriors and the celtics Boy, it has been two um, contrasting games, right? Game one, mm-hmm. the Celtics with a 40-point uh, fourth period shut down. Golden State to win the first game of the series. And then Golden State comes out with that uh, third quarter just blitzkrieg to take care of business in that one. And in both games, game one, right, it was um, Jason Tatum that had the bad shooting night and the C's <laughs> still won. Game two, it was... Um, uh, Clay Thompson, who couldn't throw it in the in in the Lake Pontchartrain, and yet the the uh, Warriors won. So, what do we anticipate for Game Three? Yeah, that's why I said it's been a great series because who knows what to expect? <laughs> right? I mean, mm-hmm. you would have thought that was a Tatum bad shooting performance on the road. They would have definitely lost Game One. And if you remember, at the start of that fourth quarter, Celtics were down twelve, and got a hats off to the role players. Right, Marcus Smart came up big, but also can't overlook what Al Horford and, of course, White yeah. off the bench. Yeah. Derek White off the bench is doing for Boston. Of course, those guys didn't, weren't there for game two, right? I mean, I, I, I know White scored in double figures, but, boy, Marcus, I think, only had a couple of points, and Horford was yeah. quiet, too. So, Boston, they need, they need those kind of role players to step up, and I think they will because we've seen them consistently play pretty decently, I want to say, through the right. course of these playoffs. 
where at least one or two of them have always shown up. And when you've got all three of them for Boston not playing well, well, they're going to struggle. So, like I said, I think this this was the exception. But you're right. I think there's more worry for me with Clay. You know, I know that they've got Steph and Steph's been rolling, and Jordan Poole had a decent game in the last one, but they really need Clay to be that 25-point guy, maybe throwing about five, four or five threes for, I think, Golden State to have a really good chance to win because I think Boston's the better team. You know, it's 1-1, but I just like what you see out of Boston, right? They can bring it more on both ends for me. They've got gotcha. the better defense, and that therefore I think Clay's just got to be out there because if Steph's the only one, you know, really scoring for the Warriors, they're going to get in trouble if Clay doesn't get going. If you remember, Clay had that 60-point performance in which he took only 11 dribbles to get those 60. So, in other words, he is the catch-and-shoot king, and Boston knows that, and Boston's getting up in his group, making him put the ball on the deck uh, to get his shots, and he's not nearly as comfortable doing that. So, kudos to the Seas and their their scouting and doing, doing things the right way. Yeah, and you, you could tell that Steve Kerr's even a little bit worried because the Warriors had that game in hand, right, game two, and they had Clay Thompson out there late for him trying yes. to find some rhythm. So that says yes. a lot to me, and which is kind of particular, or unusual, peculiar, I should say, because in that last game to finish off the Mavericks, Clay was outstanding, right? I mean, he scored 32 points, had like eight, eight, nine threes. So you thought he was in prime, you know, in a good spot coming into this final series, but he obviously hasn't been. So I don't know what they're going to do because, look, Steph's great, but they, they need that second score because, like I said, no Boston's doubt. defense is just so, so good. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Ali Gassell with us. You mentioned Steph Curry. Um, he, he obviously changed the game, which to me puts him in one of those elite categories. Mm-hmm. Um, where Where is Steph Curry, do you think, in the in the pantheon of NBA greats? Where where, where, where? You know, not not many people mention him as one of the all-time greats. Is that because he hasn't been a, a Finals MVP? I mean, he's been on three championship teams, uh, but but where do you have him? I've got him pretty high, and I don't think he even needs to win this series. And some people are saying he's got to win an MVP, but I don't buy that argument either. And you've already said it, Jordy. This guy has changed the game. There's yeah. never going to be a better shooter. At least there hasn't been one up to this point in the NBA. You know, he has surpassed easily Reggie uh, Miller, Ray Allen. Take your pick. And he, he's just set the standard for you've got to cover a guy up to, as soon as he crosses half court. So, yeah. for me, I'm thinking top 12 right now. You know, it's tough. I can't put him ahead of, say, guys like, you know, Magic Johnson, um, Michael Jordan, Jerry West. Um, and, I, and I'm not even talking about any of the bigs yet, but. He's right there behind them in that second-tier of guards. He's right there, say, maybe fair. with a Dwayne Wade, maybe a step-ahead actor, I should say, of Dwayne Wade. But, you know, that, that's what, 10 through 15, maybe something in that area. I'm with you 100%. He's, um, he's right up there. And, and in the grand scheme of things, when you look at all the years and all the great players, there's nothing to be ashamed of with that. He is, um, to me, he is must-see um, basketball. I, I mean, I just can't mm-hmm. wait to see what he does next. And he's... He, he just moves the needle for me um, uh, when he's out there playing. All right, let's um, – uh, so you got the Celtics winning uh, tonight at home? I do. I think Boston wins this one. I do too. Um, I've got them winning in seven. I said that before the series. And you've got to okay. think that the way they've gone in, the, in these playoffs, it seems like they win one, lose one. So it's their yeah. turn to win one. I'm with you. Um, okay, uh, let's talk about uh, the Pelicans. Any any news on the front? I, I read somewhere where um, 
both uh, Michael Thomas of the Saints and Zion Williamson of the Pels are, are out working on the uh, at the Saints slash Pelicans training facility right there on Airline Highway. And I've got a I've got someone I was having dinner the other night and they came up and they say they belong to a, cl- a place called Hot Works where you go in and it's like hot yoga and all that kind of stuff. And Zion's been in there several times in the evening um working out so that that tells me one he's trying to lose some weight two he's trying to get his game right and that always that's that's the best positive i could hear Hmm. i love that because from what i've been hearing is he's been at the uh, practice facility a ton Uh, as soon as you know the exit interviews happen he stayed in town along with a lot of the young guys i know herb jones has been working out there with him trey murphy kyra lewis and yeah that camaraderie has got to be building up, and, and that's what you love to see because he, that, that means he's invested. right? He's spending his offseason here after being gone in Portland. and Last summer he wasn't around the team at all. I know he had his injury, but really he, he wasn't around the team at all from what I had heard. And so it, it's a direct 180. So not only is he working on his game, rehab, working on his body, the fact that he's being around his teammates, I love it. It's, it's, everything's good news so far for sure. So far, yeah, absolutely. CJ McCullum, um, in going into the broadcasting world, I'm sure you have seen him and and watched him. What do you think? I love him, and I'll tell you what, I like the tandem of him alongside JJ Redick. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I've always been the type that doesn't care for that entertainment flair of a Stephen A. Smith. Uh, take your pick, Nick Wright over on Fox Sports. Those type of guys, they turn me off because they they right. take an angle and they pursue it just for controversy or you name it. Right. That's where you get in the J.J. Redick or C.J. McCollum, and they'll literally just tell you what they see with their own eyes, which are way more perceptive than any of ours, right? Because they play the game. They understand all the nuances. So I love listening to both of them. But C.J.'s been particularly enlightening because this is his first time doing it, and I think he's yeah. been a smashing hit. Just he's, what, a weekend of this, probably a start of a new career, I would say, because he's been looking good so far. Uh, I agree. And they, they come right back at that guy. They don't let him just say anything for, to say anything. They, they say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, dude, what are you talking about? So I, I like that aspect. Um, any changes in the, in your, in your study of, of draft uh, possibilities for, for the Pelicans? Has anybody uh, else popped up on your radar that you think uh, might be there and available? Yeah, so I was number one with Shaden Sharp, but now Dyson Daniels has moved up to my number one want list, and I'm curious if it is for the Pelicans as well. You know, he played in the G League Ignite. He's a guy that can play one through four. He's a great passer, though, so he can be one of that. He can be that big point guard for you, right? Six, six, seven and a half or so. Got almost seven foot wingspan. His yeah. three point ball start coming along. He just seems like that perfect guy that you can add along. You know, you've got your stars, so you need guys filling in and, and somebody that can do it all. And he just seems so perfect, like I said. Next to him, of course, I've been saying team needs more shooting, so Benedict Matherin's right there, too, and I've been touting him for the last two months. Outside of those two guys, you know, there's not that many that grab my attention. So I'll, I'll, I'll mention two names I probably haven't mentioned on your show yet. One is Jeremy Sochin. He's uh, out yeah. of Baylor. He, Baylor. He's one of those tweeners that can play – a lot of different wing positions, but I love his, his bulldog aggressiveness on defense, and I think that's what the Pelicans should be pursuing, by the way. They've got okay. their three stars, right? CJ, Zion, Brandon. You've got the scoring. Now you need to fill in with the shooters, you know, spreading the floor at the three-point line, and mm-hmm. defenders. Because when I watch Boston play, that they seem to have almost that perfect mix a lot of nights. I don't yeah. think the Pelicans do. So 
Jeremy Sochin would definitely fill up that defensive, you know, versatility. Same thing with Dyson Daniels. And the fourth guy is Asuma Diang. He played over in um, Australia this past year with the New Zealand Breakers. And he's six foot ten. So I'm curious hmm. if he could grow into being maybe a small ball center for, for this Pelicans team, right? So he's another kind of interesting guy. You, you could take a big swing at, let him develop, because you don't really need a pressing bring in a rookie that's going to play major minutes, right? I mean, they're, what, 10 deep, Jordy, already, if they're healthy. So, Dieng could make sense as a home run swing, too. Well, one thing I've noticed out of these playoffs, and Pat Riley summed it up in his exit um, uh, press conference with those that cover the Miami Heat, to to be a championship team in this era of basketball, you've got to have two-way players. And by that, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to have guys that can score, can handle it, passive do all those things on the offensive end but you gotta be able to play defensively so the teams don't say okay if we get him in a in a in a screen and he switches on to my guy we got him licked so for the pels to make that quantum leap right they gotta get they gotta get zion playing defense brandon ingram playing defense and they're they're three stars on offense they don't play much defense they gotta get better there ollie they got to no, I agree, and that's that's going to be the biggest key is what's Zion going to bring? You know, he's been hasn't played competitive basketball for over a year now, and that was easily his weakest point. And both he and Brandon, under um, you know, under Alvin, and then of course under Van Gundy, yeah, defense was definitely below average. But yeah, I'll tell you what, Brandon became an average defender to me last season, and you saw him giving multiple efforts, whether it was for charges, getting blocked shots, getting his body in front of guys, or battling for rebounds. Right, he was going in there and grabbing those contested rebounds, something he didn't do, like I said, his first two years here. So I feel like I'm confident that he'll at least be average, and that's all you can really ask of him, right? Or, 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 or these star players, right? As long as they give you enough defensively, they don't have to be stars. And Zion's the guy that I've got circled. Can he do the same? Because they're going to need to, right? CJ, he's great. He's a good systems defender, but he's six foot four, not the quickest guy, not the strongest guy. So He's going to be usually your weakest link. So you can't have Zion also be a weak link out there when, you know, you don't have that tip, prototypical five that can come and erase things automatically for it. Because Jonas, while he's great at doing, you know, covering his yeah. area, he's not going to help you with those mistakes that either CJ is going to have difficulties or with Zion. So, yeah, Zion, boy, I hope that we can see some semblance of the guy we saw at Duke, Jordy, because that would help this team dramatically. Ooh. He's a rim protector in his own unusual way. There's no question about that. So, so we shall see. Um, all right, Ollie, we both got the Celtics winning tonight. We'll see what happens. Uh, thank you so much, as always. And welcome back, Legs. You had a great trip to see your family. Um, but welcome home, and uh, we'll talk again soon, buddy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I just wish that I, I miss this humidity because I forgot about it. And I, I tell you what, I hate it already. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Well, to, uh, you picked the wrong place to live, my friend. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. All right. That's Ali Caselli, uh, editor for senior editor for at the bird rights. All right. If you want to see the Astros in person, listen up the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette and one Oh four, one Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The very latest on the New Orleans Saints next week, mandatory OTA. Get an update from uh, John Hendricks when we return. 
to the Jordy Helper Show in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for LSU and the Astros. We'll be right back. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, we welcome you back 37 minutes after the hour on this uh, Wednesday, June the 8th. The Saints have had uh, a couple of voluntary OTA sessions already under their belt. Next week's is a mandatory OTA session. Um, And John Hendricks, who, of course, is the Saints lead writer and reporter for at Saints News for at Fan Nation at SI.com. He's a video host at Boot Crew Media, amongst the many other things that he does. He's been watching all this stuff. I just wanted to pick his brain to see what he's observed, what he's noticed, and uh, get his viewpoint on this uh, new edition of the New Orleans Saints. So, John, thanks for the time, buddy. Um, how you holding up in all this heat, man? You all right? Yeah, hanging in there. So it's, uh, you know, it's hot. And unfortunately, I've lived here since, what, 92, right after Hurricane Andrew. So it's not like yeah. I'm not used to it, but I always complain about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're not, we're used to it, but we're still not used to it. Um, that's just the way it goes. Okay, so you heard how I introduced you to our listening audience. So you've watched these OTAs. Has, has anything popped and stood out to you from your observations? Yeah, I think plenty's popped. Um, you know, look, I'd say first and foremost the fact that uh, Jameis Winston has been around the building. I think that's been huge for this this team just because, you know, a lot was made about, you know, oh, my gosh, this guy has a limp, and not focusing really on the, the actual thing of him being there in the actual uh, OTA sessions when he probably doesn't have to be, you know what I mean? Right. But he's missed football so much, so it's kind of one of those things where he wants to be around his guys. Um, you know, so I think that's first and foremost one of the biggest takeaways. Second thing I'd say is probably, you know, looking at some of these other veterans, um, Jarvis Landry sure looked impressive last week. Uh you know, him, Tyron Matthew, the first week, he wasn't there the second. But, you know, look, that's it's OTAs, it's voluntary. You don't have to be there, but right. obviously participation is a big thing. But, you know, these veterans that they brought in, just even getting guys like Marcus May that, that participate in walkthroughs, I mean, these guys are going to really matter when it all is said and done. So that was another one. And then these rookies, look, um, Chris Olave's looked the part. He's acted the part. He's done a lot of real good work with uh, with Jameis Winston, and I think that's something to just really appreciate. So I think those are the first couple. Um, you know, still missing a good bit of big players that are coming off the injury, mainly Michael Thomas, guys like uh, Taysom Hill. So still a lot to, to take in, but it's been really good so far just to be back to football. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like uh, one of the biggest weak links of this club was the wide receiver room that they, they boy they certainly focused their attention on that it may be one of the big strengths of this club that and and that defensive secondary that's going to be fun to watch when these two teams get after with those two sides of the ball get after it how the newcomers in the secondary deal with the newcomers on the wide receiver front man that's uh that should be some some fun battles 
Yeah, look, I think this is a, a, what you want, right? And, and the thing yeah. is, you look at the wide receiving core last year, and look, no disrespect to anybody that was on there, because obviously they're professionals and they did what they could, but it just wasn't enough. And on paper, this has got to be, <laughs> I think it's got to be the best receiving core that this team's had. And look, I get yeah, yeah, how special 2009 was. I get how special some of these other receiving cores were, but you just want a paper from a talent perspective. You know what you have with these guys, right? And so I right. think it's easy when you look at them and say, Callaway's your maybe number four guy. Maybe Hardy's your five guy. And, and, or, I mean, Smith might be your four guy. Callaway might be your four and five. Or Hardy's might be your six guy. I mean, that's, that's good. And I think that's obviously what you want. Still some things to work out and tight end. But from a secondary perspective, just the depth they have at safety. I mean, it's going to be hard when it comes to roster cuts. And then as far as cornerbacks, you know, everybody knows about Lattimore and, and Paulson Adebo, but don't forget about Bradley Roby. And then Alante Taylor yeah. looks like a guy who's picking up things really quickly. And, uh, you know, look, he has a lot to live up to just being that where they took him in the draft. But, man, I tell you, they all look the part. And it's really scary just when you think about where they are and where they were last year at this time. And, going into training camp and then all that, but it's it's a, a good problem to have right now. I'm not going to compare him other than as being a high-energy guy. I think Jarvis Landry brings to the offense what C.J. Gardner-Johnson brings to the defense. Just high-energy, active, um, never gets tired. He's always running around doing that. I just get that sense, and 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 I like those kind of players. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is you want to have that high octane, high energy. And then it's just some of those things you just can't compare and you don't have a stat sheet for it. But, you know, you look at, again, last year when they didn't have C.J. Gardner-Johnson or any any of the past couple of years when C.J. Gardner-Johnson has been out of the lineup, this team just lacked something. It's just a punch or something on on defense. And, And when he was in the lineup, look, it was a big, noticeable jump. And so, again, that's what you hope for in guys like that. I think Tyron Matthews is going to be a big energy guy. I think Marcus May is a big energy guy. Um, yeah. You know, they just have a lot of these players who, again, when it comes down to it, that are going to step up in big ways for them in a lot of different ways. And, look, you just look at kind of the, the void of leadership that's left behind with a guy like Malcolm Jenkins moving on to retire and uh, losing Marcus Williams and such. I mean, you need these types of guys in your locker room to be able to lead this next group of, of Saints team. And they're going to yeah. need it when you talk about losing, you know, so much uh, on this roster, uh, you know, from a leadership and depth perspective. But, you know, in some aspects, I think this team is a lot better situated than they were last year. I'm with you. Addition by subtraction. I think the the safety room is better. No offense to, um, uh, you know, who they, who they lost. Uh, but but I, I love Teran Matthew. I think he makes that room so much better but i'm curious if all things considered if alvin Kamara is healthy and you know no suspension when this team is whole 100 percent whole what is the weak link on this team is it the quarterback right room? now no i wouldn't say it's quarterback for me i think one of the weak links that needs to be decided is the tight end group i think that's a tight super end. weak position that this team has you know, okay. I've gone on and talked about it but and, and somewhat wrote about it, too. But, look, I, I think there are guys like, uh, for me, Nick Vanette, guy that's on the, 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 on the bubble right now, right? I think yep. guys like Adam Troutman have to step up. 
We haven't seen Taysom Hill. He's coming off of a Frank surgery, so he's got to be in a position to, to really step up and, and because a lot is expected of him. So, uh, again, you look at some of that, that's one position. The defensive interior would be the other one that I'd look at just because, again, you have a lot of, of guys there that can do things but it's not anybody that leaps off the page at you. You know, David Onyemata's coming off a pretty disappointing season after he yep. started this season on suspension. Um, you know, guys like Shai Tuttle uh, have been around a good bit. But, you know, look, I don't think there are anybody, when you look at the defensive interior, they've got a, a heck of a pass rush group. But from the interior, you know, you look at guys like Aaron Donald are single-handedly better than anybody they have on the team, right? And you can put yep. two of those guys together and they still won't rival what somebody like Eric Donald brings to the table. And so, look, I think that's a, the two areas for me that I am a little bit more concerned about than others. And I think they're going to be fine on the offensive line. I think they're going to be fine uh, at linebacker. I think there's a lot of positions that, you know, some people might be a little bit more concerned about than others. But these are the two that I'd say, look, they got to get right and, and uh, welcome competition there. Tight end and interior defensive line. They got about $10, $11 million in money they could spend uh are they done wheeling and dealing there's some interior defensive linemen that are available out there but do you want to go down that road yeah and that's the thing is do you want to go down that road because obviously Ndamukong Sue is a guy that's been paired or you know some people have talked about saying hey look they got some money this could be a potential it would make sense just because familiarity of facing Tampa you know look I I don't think I'd worry from a culture perspective because the Saints have taking on guys like that in the past, and it's not been an issue. So mm-hmm. I don't think that bothers me as much. I just don't know from a from a market perspective how much he's going to want this season. And I, there's a point where, look, if I'm the Saints, too rich for my blood, right? And I think that's where I would look at it. Maybe fill it out, bring him to camp. I think they do have feel good about the guys they brought on, like Jaleel Johnson and Tavia Street, to kind of push some of these other guys like Albert Huggins and push guys like Malcolm Roach and – so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't add anybody, to be honest with you. But, you know, look, that's a lot that's going to be expected from this group. But, you know, um, they don't have to use this money. I know people talk about Odell Beckham Jr. He's still hurt. So that's the other right. thing to keep an eye on. But uh, he's still hurt. So I don't expect him to join anybody until maybe November, December. So, um, you know, for now, I'd say wait and see and stay put. Um, John Hendricks with us. Michael Thomas posted an Instagram story video showing him running a sprint at the Saints uh, indoor training facility. He titled the video, Talk Soon. Hey, let's talk now. That's, that's, that's the best thing I've heard yet. Yeah, that is significant. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything. Of course, you talk about all these guys you could get back and these new guys, but I don't think anybody's going to make near as much impact as, as somebody like number 13. And so... Look, uh, him and Will Lutz, I think, are the two biggest pieces that this team gets back this year that are going to yes. be a significant improvement to to this team that we you know we probably just don't look at. Nobody's really paying attention to. But look, Thomason himself is is just so hungry. I know he's ready to come back out and work. Um, you know, him and Jameis Winston are going to do really good things together. Um, I, I just think that from what you're looking at and what you're expecting is making sure that Mike's 100% good to go, no setbacks, let him loose. Um, I don't think that's going to be a problem with too many mouths to feed in this offense. I think that he's out to prove a lot of people wrong and all those people that have talked a lot of mess on him with him being out. And so, 
look, I would bank on Mike to have a good bounce-back season. And, and if the Saints have success on offense, number 13 is going to be huge. I mean, you looked at their third-down struggles last year. He's a guy that moved the sticks. It wasn't just a slant-type thing. It's just so many different route combinations that he gives you. And he's never going to beat you with speed. But he's a guy that when you get him going, he's going to be tough to stop. And then when you pile that on with the likes of, you know, uh, Chris Olave, and then obviously Jarvis Landry, and then whoever else is at wide receiver. That is a really scary combination for any other opposing team to go up against. Is Olave um, all that was advertised as far as his down the field speed, being able to take the you know the top off the defense, as the old cliche goes? Everything and then some. I mean, look, I I know a lot of people were. Uh, I don't want to say concerned, but talking about how much they gave up for somebody like that. And look, I don't, I don't really care because this guy is going to come I in and he's going to do extremely well. You talk to Jameis Winston, his first comment at him when asked is smooth as the other side of the pillow. And look, I mean, it's, it's refreshing to hear that and just kind of how he's talked and handled himself so far, just talking to Jameis Winston and saying, Hey, you know, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to run this route? How do you want me to, to kind of pursue? And, and that's, that's professional talk, right? I mean, that's, you're in a big boy league and, you know, so many receivers come in and have a diva complex or ego or whatever you want to call it. Right. He's not right. a guy that is like that. And I think that's a huge, huge compliment to him. And he just wants to come in and do his work and he's got plenty of motivation to do it. So I'm looking for huge things out of Chris Olave. Maybe not the stat line that Michael Thomas would put up. And it's probably going to be interesting to see how him and, and Jarvis mesh and, and how that all works out. But look, yeah. uh, man, he's been absolutely insane as far as what he's been able to do and show us so far. That's what Pete Carmichael's getting the money for to be the offensive coordinator, figure it all out. I'm curious about Trevor Penning, um, their other first round pick, the 19th overall selection. Um, he's big. Uh, everybody says he's physical, but he's a, uh, kind of a, a working process here. Um, is he going to be a day one starter? Do you think he has the look and the role to, to do that? Well, I think he has the potential, but I just go back to what Dennis Allen said. I mean, and right now he's benefiting because James Hurst has not been there. But you know, this is going to James Hurst is going to get a legitimate shot to start this team, and I think he's earned it just because he's a veteran. He understands the offense. Um, he's a guy that's been able to do everything that, that that's been asked of him, and then some. So, look, um, you know, going in when they took Finning uh, again, his strong suits, and you know, I've written about it many times. His strong suits was more in the run department. He had to develop more as a pass protector. And right. it's not that he can't do it. I think he's making strides, and he's going to do it under one of the best in, in Doug Marone. And so uh, I don't have a problem with him not necessarily starting on week one. But at some point, you know, you're going to look at it, and especially when the pads come on and training camp when it's full speed and he's going up against these pass rushers, you're really going to see what Penning has to offer. And he's going to have a, a huge test on his hands because – Again, like I mentioned earlier, the Saints have some of the best pass rushing uh, pass rushing group out there. So um, <laughs> there's no better yeah. way to learn and develop than you know going You're against right. the likes of Cam Jordan or Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Tano Passanjala, Carl Grandison, and all those other guys that they have. John, you're the best. I can't thank you enough. Uh, mandatory OTA next week, correct? Yep, and they're calling it mini camp, so uh, a little bit different as far as the restraints go. With OTAs, you just can have the seven-on-seven. Seven. So maybe we'll get to see some one-on-ones next week, a couple of other things. It's going to pick up in tempo. And, uh, yep, right. I'm excited for the next next week and three days straight of Saints 
action. That's awesome. All right. Uh, don't complain about the humidity. Let's just live with it. Uh, John Hendricks, uh, you're the best. Thank you so much, man. Have a great rest of Appreciate your week. You. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right. You're the best. Uh, Next Home Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Luke Day on Saturday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The charity event benefits Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit that gives to those with dogs with disabilities. The event will be located at Bollier Park Dog Park at 411 West Bluebird Drive in Lafayette. A food truck, Kona Ice Snow Cone Stand will all be on site, plus music, treats, and prizes. All proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realty's Luke Day on June the 11th. We will come back and we'll wrap up our number one after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU sports. Trail is putting on a free all-day event this Saturday at Cafe 20.3 at 1500 General Mouton. In addition to free paddling, there will also be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero Heroes by raising awareness and funds to build the new Teepfer Park and Boat Launch at Mile Zero of the Vermilion River. Donations and sponsorships are welcome. Trail will match up to 20,000 in donations. For more information, visit www.latrail.org. Coming up, hour number two, we'll hit the recruiting front for the Tigers and Michael Huguenin. Another hump day with Huguenin edition coming your way. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Hour number two, straight ahead. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. This Wednesday edition, June 8, 2022, of the Jordy Holberg Show, brought to you by our great friends at Cajun Chef, the best hot sauce on the planet for years and years and decades and decades. The Beard family in St. Martinville putting together the very best product that you can ever imagine, expanding those products uh, where now it's it's worldwide. They'll ship it everywhere and anywhere because of the quality, the taste, and it's got that Cajun flair to it. Cajun Chef Hot Sauce, decidedly different, delectably delicious. Coming up on the program today, we will deal with um, um, all things in the college world uh, with Michael Huguenin, and we will also deal with recruiting um, because there's never a dull moment when it comes to to recruiting. Uh, it's the busy time of the year for, you know, um, Brian Kelly just uh, just had something for the ladies uh, to learn how 
to play a little bit of football. And of course, camps are right around the corner. So I thought we'd touch base with the guru uh, when it comes to LSU and recruiting. And that is the longtime um, uh, resident of this part of the world with tigerbait.com, the one and only Mike Scarborough. Mike, been a while, buddy. How, how have you been? Is everything good? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, uh, a lot of uh, my other media friends are taking vacations, and we're, we're uh, guys like me to cover recruiting. We're, we're knee deep in camps. <laughs> That's right. So, so where are we? What kind of camps are we are we dealing with? Are they taking place here and now? And uh, why don't you give me the the lowdown on what's well, happening I, I say out there at the Ponderosa? It, it's really uh, one or two days a week. Um, Friday, we've got the seven on seven and OLDL camp. Uh, I know a lot of people are, you know, n- know that uh, now that uh, Arch Manning and the Newman seven on seven team will be one of the teams uh, in the tournament it, uh, on the LSU uh, fields out there in the back. Okay. And, uh, and then you'll also have some more offensive line and defensive linemen there. So they already had a, a big group of those on Friday, uh, including Brett Bordelon and, and a few others. Uh, Bordelon, of course, is Bo's. Younger brother, both signed with LSU in the class of 22, right. whereas um, Brett will be the class of 24. Um, and then you had a skills camp on Sunday with a lot bigger numbers, but I think probably your your biggest camps are going to be uh, next week, uh, June 16th and 17th, uh, which they give the uh, the moniker the the elite camp. So that okay. Let me ask you this, uh, Mike, let me ask you this with these camps that go on, what can the coaches do? What can't, what cannot the coaches do? Um, well, it, it used to be where you couldn't offer them or they had to leave and come back before you could offer them. Um, you know, everything now just seems to be anything goes, um, you know, coach Kelly did extend, uh, the policy that Ed Orgeron did, which I think is a great thing, uh, where he had all the other college coaches there, okay. uh, which to me is just it's great public relations. It's it's um, you know all the other state schools get to come. You know uh, the the big vast majority of the prospects that were on campus last weekend uh, are not Power Five material. But there was a lot of kids there that did get offers uh, from HBCUs, Grambling, Southern, uh, Tulane extended a bunch of offers, Tech, uh, uh, UL Lafayette was there. Um, And so all those staffs have been coming every year. And, of course, Joe Sloan, (laughs) LSU's passing game coordinator, was was there every uh, June with Louisiana Tech. And now he's the guy at LSU, Frank Wilson would have his McNeese guys there. So um, I think it's very much a positive because it gets, it makes all those kids, uh, particularly the Louisiana kids, they get to get seen oh, and, um, by yeah. all those college coaches. Yeah, they're not all built for LSU, but there's a whole bunch of other schools. And, boy, that's, I, I, so I agree with you 100%. I think that is, uh, that is a great new habit that uh, – Let's give Coach O a little hand on that one for for doing that. That that's pretty yeah, because it, it it just gives a lot of kids a real opportunity um, yeah. because you are seeing some kids that maybe are mid majors or maybe a little need a little time to mature. Um, that can you know they're going to get seen by a lot of coaches and and 
like I said, you had Southeastern, Nichols, they were all there. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. So now, um, how long has Brian Kelly been on the job? Seven months, maybe something like that. I don't know how long it's been. Um, what uh, what kind of progress? I always ask you this question. Um, uh, what kind of progress from a recruiting perspective with the coaches that he's hired? How is all that working, particularly uh, in the state of Louisiana? What I'm seeing right now is is that I think they're doing a, an above average job or getting a a a, a higher profile prospect from out of state to come in for unofficial visits and, and, and swing by, you know, a lot of these kids nationally are lining up week long of where they're at Georgia one day, Auburn, the next Alabama, the next LSU, yeah. Texas A&M, where they're hitting a school a day uh, during their summer vacation. So LSU has been very good at getting a lot of those kids on those rotations. Okay. But I'll flip that around and say, you know, if you've followed LSU recruiting and you're used to seeing LSU with 15 or 16 or even close to 20 commitments in August or heading into Labor Day, I don't know that that number is going to be there. And I don't, oh. and that could be uh, that could be a combination of the NIL world that we're in, but I also think in the 25 years that I've covered recruiting, as far as Power Five prospects in the state of Louisiana, this might might be the worst year ever. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Huh. There are no defensive ends or defensive tackles in Louisiana right now that has an LSU offer. You've got two high-end quarterbacks and plus Ricky Collins, uh, Holstein to, to Alabama, and, yeah. uh, of course, Arch Manning. All right. You've got basically, I'll say, two offensive linemen that have offers. Um. There's really only one position in the state of Louisiana that I think LSU can fill their need solely with Louisiana kids, and that's running back. And you've already got one of those committed in Trey Holly, and you've got Caleb Jackson at Liberty, who I think they're in very good shape with. So Frank hmm. Wilson's got the easiest road of all the new assistant coaches. <laughs> There's no so, tight ends, no tight yeah. ends, and you've got two linebackers in the state of Louisiana with offers. Tackett Curtis from from Manny, who looks to be leaving the state. And then you've got Jay Nosberry, who's likely to leave the state just like his older brother did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, normally you say LSU is highly successful if in a, in a recruiting class. Of course, now you, that's all different rules. Now it's not just 25, it's 25 plus or, or no numbers and you're getting to 85. You know, how are all that? That's going to shake out. But it, 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 you know, is it going to be where you're sitting there as far as your high school kids with maybe over 70, where it's usually you want to get to around 70% Louisiana kids, where maybe it's going to be 70% out of state? I was going to say, how, how often has that ever been the case where you get more out of state high school players on your scholarship list than you have in state players? I don't know if yeah. that's ever happened, has it? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I know a lot of people will say that's what got Mike Archer in trouble. Um, but it, this is just weird because huh. in, in the other position, what, what I think what's even uh, another part of the craziness 
is where are the athlete positions? We know about yeah, Shelton Sampson at Catholic. You got the uh, uh, Kai Preen at St. James, uh, who was at Ascension Catholic last year that's got an offer. That's two. That's two wide receivers. Um, but usually there's you know we're talking about five or six guys, maybe right. three or four with LSU offers, uh, and, and another two or so that maybe could get an offer. Uh, those numbers are, are bad. Let me ask you this and then, question. And then the the worst of all. The position that grows on trees in the state of Louisiana, defensive back, there's none. Wow. Let me I, ask I you mean, this. Well, I, I say none. You got Derek Williams at New Iberia Westgate. Okay. Well, so that could be a case where you've got your top rated defensive back that Alabama's very confident for right now. Okay. So, uh, and then you got Jordan, you got Jordan Matthews at Woodlawn, who the previous staff offered, but Kelly and his staff have not. Uh, Curly Reed, who the old staff had offered, but this staff has not. He uh, had an ACL injury at Lake Charles Prep. Um, so, I mean, usually, but usually, though, uh, uh, and you got the kid, uh, at Colin Jackson, at um, uh, Zachary. And uh, okay. that, that one's been awful quiet and, and kind of a weird deal. But, I mean, usually, though, we're talking about a half a dozen DBs in the state of Louisiana. And right now, you got a commitment list with three defensive backs, and all three of them are from out of state right now. Let me ask you this: since it, you say it's the worst this state has had in the in the twenty five years that you have been following and covering recruiting and doing it uh, better than anyone, is this keeping the Alabamas, the A and M's, the the Billy Napiers at Florida? Are they are they hitting the state of Louisiana hard, or do you notice that they've backed off they a lot as well? They all are. They all are. They're going to uh, uh, test the, the Brian Kelly and his staff in the first year, and uh, until uh, he proves that uh, uh, it's it's a waste of their time and labor, uh, they're going to recruit here uh, in, 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 until they're proven wrong. So I understand that, but since there aren't that many really good players, according to you, does that mean they're you know they're not coming in as often? Maybe there's. Two or well, three no, they're that here, they they're here they're because twenty four is great in Louisiana next year. So they're they're you know if you're looking at look at all the twenty four kids this new staff has offered at LSU uh, you know so um you know but I I tend to say it could be the worst since I've been doing it but are are we going to look back are we going to look at the numbers at the end of the year and it's it's still a typical number of kids in the state of Louisiana that signed Division One scholarships. And is it just because of the anomaly of LSU where they're at with their quarterback spot and maybe some of the politics with the two upper echelon kids in the state? Um, and, of course, I think LSU is in great shape for Dante Moore from Detroit, Michigan, uh, for their quarterback spot in this class, and he's a five-star. Okay. Um, you know, it's... It, I still think there's a lot of storylines and, and, and things are going to play out here. But, um, you know, you got, uh, you know, all, the, the, the second Osbury uh, son, you know, yeah. uh, what's he going to do? Um, you know, Burgess letting them make their own decision. Those guys wanting to chart their own path. So there, there's little, these little scenarios that, you know, the average – fan is going to look at and say, well, man, uh, uh, look at all these kids that uh, Brian Kelly didn't get in his first year. 
And so they're going to have to they're going to have to uh, really do a deep dive and understand line by line right. as to what were the circumstances for each one of those kids. What is Arch Manning looking for, and does LSU have you think what is in the back of his mind, or is this all just a pipe dream? I think it's all. I I, I think it looks like Texas right now for him. Um, I don't know what Arch himself looks for. I've, I've been told that. The 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 ship the Arch Manning ship is absolutely being commandeered by Archie the grandfather, um, but um, I'll say this, and I've, I know I've said it on your show before, he is not the number one player in the country. Right. Okay. Um, that that's good for the networks that have him rated there, sell subscriptions, but I, I think they're wrong. I actually think Holstein's better at Zachary. Okay, and he's going to Bama. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, Mike Scarborough, tigerbait.com. Uh, I ask you this every year about this time of the year about the new incoming freshman. And, you know, we talked about Mason Smith being an impact player from day one. Is there an impact player day one in this recruiting class that's going to help this 2022 season? Well, you know, obviously Harold Perkins is the guy that's going to have the, the, the biggest uh, notoriety and the highest rating, and I, and I was able to see him uh, milling around at camp. But, you know, there's no denying that Will Campbell at left tackle is okay. is that guy, uh, the biggest impact. And, um, you know, and, and I know Emory Jones at guard. Uh, I think he's going to come in and push. I see him playing as a true freshman. I don't I, I doubt that they're going to be able to keep a red shirt on him. So th- that's very impactful. Um, and I think probably from there, um, that might be it. Um, okay. As far as, you know, your true freshman. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe a DeMario Tolan. I mean, Mason Taylor obviously has it wide open for him to come in and make a statement because that that's the tight end position is so thin. Hmm. Very good. And Quincy okay. Wiggins and say, you know, uh, I had uh, Savion Jones right there with Mason Smith, number one, yep. uh, in the state in that year. And, and I, and I'm, I'm told Savion's about to make a, a big move. So, but you know, they've got Ali Gay and BJ Ojolari ahead of them, but I yep. think, uh, you know, Savion is going to get the play, and then Quincy is your true freshman, and, and, and I think you're going to see a, a good bit of him uh, his first year. Okay, very good. Um, DraftKings came out with their win projections for all the SEC teams. They had LSU at seven. When you saw that, what did you think? Holy cow, I, I didn't see that. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take the over on that. I, I Just yeah, like, uh, what was too. it, a month ago, Vegas had LSU at six and a half. I'll take the over yeah. on that. I'm but I'm not you. going any higher than eight and four. I, I think probably seven and five, eight and four is about right. Okay. And if some for some reason, and, and the thing about it is, if what, what's the difference between seven and five, eight and four, nine and three? There's probably two or three games on that schedule where it could go either way. Absolutely, you're, you're losing games by yeah. field goals. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And until I don't know how anybody can project anything until. You find out and figure out who's going to be your starter at the most important position on the field. And until we know that, I mean, how, how can they project? Um, and that's going to be, is this, is this a three man, very, very close race in your opinion, or 
do you think they know exactly who it's going to be? I don't think they exactly know who it's going to be. And okay. so you can say, oh, is that a good thing? Or does that also tell you that you've got a whole lot of guys that are maybe just average or you hope they're just mm-hmm. average? Yeah. If you ask my opinion, I'm leaning toward the latter rather than the former. I'm like, nobody's really separated themselves. So we got some good ones, but we don't have a really elite one is, is what I get out of this. I and, hope and, I'm and, wrong. Okay. And so and if you're a disciplined football team and you think your defense is going to be very good, a very strong defensive line, okay. uh, you get Kayshawn Butte back at wide receiver. Okay. I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better than people think, and it's going to get better every week. Um, and can they run the ball effectively? So what kind of quarterback play do you need? Do you just do, do need, we need a Matt Flynn. to get to eight wins? Do we, do we need a Matt Flynn type of quarterback? Yeah. You know, a guy that's not going to hurt you. Right. Um, but, you know, is it maybe a guy that um, you sure don't want to be down two scores in the middle of the second half because you're worried – you don't you don't have the offensive firepower or the quarterback that can that can drive you to, uh, if you're behind two scores. Yeah. Okay, that that's more than fair. Uh, so, what's keeping Tiger Bait besides recruiting? What's keeping Tiger Bait uh, busy these days? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, what, what's the over and under on uh, LSU baseball players on the, on this year's roster that just finished that won't be back? Uh, Ooh, 16, 17? Yeah. There's a bunch of them that have the potential to move on. Um, and I guess the question is, what what kind of impression did they make to Coach Jake Johnson? Does he want them back uh, or does he not? That's the question, I, I guess. I, I think there's a good possibility the way we were punch drunk six weeks ago, every time we looked up, Matt McMahon had somebody else signing and out yeah. of nowhere loading up a roster. I think between now and uh, the first day of school, um, of course, you got to wait to see their signing class. Uh, right. You know, half of those guys are going to be here, half of them won't. But what is he? His transfer portal activity is going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be absolutely insane. I joke with somebody. I've got a mental picture of Jay Johnson in a in a like a Sam's Club or a Costco with like four <laughs> big big carts. And he's just running his arms down the uh, the the shelves and throwing everything in the basket because he's a, he, he's about to load up with a whole bunch of transfer portal kids, and um, you know there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there that the uh, pitcher we saw for Southern Miss this past weekend from Zachary could be one yep. of those kids. I'd take him in a heartbeat. I'd, I'd take him in a heartbeat. It's the first year in, in many a years watching LSU baseball where they didn't have at least one guy. I mean, Mikael Hilliard. In the old days, Mikhail Healy would be would have been starting on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, maybe maybe a Sunday. No way in God's green earth he's he's my starting picture on a Friday, and that's not knocking him. It's uh, just the facts of the matter, and uh, so I, I can't wait till he. Um, well, and, and, and I think the other part of it too is, and like you know, I mean, look, I, I'm not a guy who watches every inning of every baseball game, but it sure seems to me that there's no coach head coach in baseball are very few that had to work as hard as Jay Johnson did in every game to make a go of it when he had no pitching. Yeah. I mean, I like to know I'm what his, you, you know, uh, one of the, if he had one of those meters on his arm uh, that could gauge uh, a calorie burn and, and uh, <laughs> uh, it, 
you know, and, and I kind of joked yesterday. I said uh, someone told me he got home from Hattiesburg and went to bed and hadn't woke up, woke up yet. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'd believe it. TigerBait.com, you're the best. Thanks for the update, man. Enjoy uh enjoy the camps and we'll do it again, my friend. Thank you so much. All right, Jordy, talk soon. Thanks. Uh, you got it. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back with more. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU Sports. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 8th, 1996, LSU's Warren Morris hits the game-winning home run off of Miami's Robbie Morrison. The home run is the only walk-off championship-winning homer in College World Series history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. I'm sorry if you have some date night blues. Well, um, we're going to here to help. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so uh join up it's uh it's so simple it's so so easy uh bottom of the six today in major league baseball kansas city leads toronto six to three how about the angels um <laughs> with um losing what is it 11 12 straight now uh, fired Joe Madden. He's gone. Um, in the, what have you done for me lately? Uh, league? Uh, absolutely. Um, so there you go. Um, the Browns have excused quarterback Baker Mayfield from mandatory, mandatory minicamp. And it appears more and more likely by the day that, uh, Baker Mayfield is going to end up with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, there you go. If the Browns didn't excuse Mayfield and he still skipped camp, the team could have fined him nearly $15,000 for the first day, 30000 for the second day, and 44000 for the third day. So you better go and make these uh, mandatory uh, mini camps or OTAs, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, when you look at um, Baker Mayfield, his career starting out, and you look at Drew Brees' career starting out, um, both played on teams that didn't have very good offensive lines. The numbers were very similar. And I'm not saying that, that Baker Mayfield uh, has the accuracy and the acumen uh, of a Drew Brees, but you got to admit when Drew Brees got to the New Orleans Saints and they drafted wisely and they improved the offensive line, gave him some uh, good defenses and some good skill position people, uh, his accuracy uh, and his football IQ certainly grew and he just got better and better. He's a Hall of Famer. I still think Baker Mayfield can play. I really do. He just has to get with the right team and the right uh, with the right coach. And I just think I think he can play. I, I you know, I think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I really do. Now 
once again, I've been wrong before, but I don't think I'm wrong uh, on this one. I really don't. And of course, um, Drew Brees, speaking of Drew Brees, he is uh, he has left NBC over a lifestyle choice that the network chairman confirmed. Pete Bavacqua uh, confirmed to the Associated Press that Brees will make no appearances on the network's NFL or Notre Dame broadcast this season, citing that the former Saint quarterback's desire to spend more time with family. Quote, the unbelievable business of an NFL career and then really not taking a break at all and launching right in with us with both Notre Dame football and the NFL. It was certainly an around-the-clock assignment. This was definitely a lifestyle choice for him, which is totally understandable. So um, do you really think if Fox or one of the other networks said, Drew, come on over and be our lead analyst for our games, you think he would say, I want to spend more time with family? No, 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 no. That's not the case at all, uh, but that's okay. He'll spend uh, more of his retirement with his family. Um, so there you go. Now, how long that will last, I don't know. It's up to him, but he's got a lot of business interests um, uh, going on, and uh, his kids are getting to that age where they're starting to start you know, almost to high school, I think, or getting close to it. So good for him. Um, wish him nothing but the best. All right, we'll take a, we'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, it's uh, Hump Day with Huguenin time. We'll get his thoughts on who LSU's three permanent teams should be if, not when, the SEC goes, goes to a nine-game uh, league schedule. Just makes sense. All right, we'll be back. This is the Jordy Helford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Astros and LSU sports. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, we're in the dog days of summer, but somehow, some way, my main man, Mike Huguenin of On3.com, always comes up with the goods. Um, how are you today, my friend? Doing, uh, doing quite well. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, it was our pleasure. Um, we, we've been talking about scheduling uh, in the SEC, and you know, no vote has happened yet, but um, wouldn't you be shocked if the SEC did not go to a nine-game schedule with three permanent teams and six rotating teams? Would you be shocked if they did something different? Let's put it this way. If they don't go – if they're a 16-team league and they don't go to nine games, that's – I don't – that's beyond idiotic. Uh, if you have a 16-team league, you need to play nine conference games. Um and when the, I, I get the fact that the SEC is the strongest league. Um, so, oh, we don't want to play all these tough, you know, we don't want to add another game. We're going to lose an easy game, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if, if you, I think if you were to ask the fans, let's ask an LSU fan, would you rather yep. bring in, um, 
you know, in a five-year stretch, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, and Oklahoma, rather than UAB, Southern, and New Mexico. Of right. course you do. Um, you don't want to pay 100 bucks to watch a rummy opponent. And, you know, I, I work with Ivan Menzel, and Ivan wrote a column last Friday. You know, it's what, why, did they, why did they decide not to decide? Um, it seems like it's, like you said, extremely clear focus. We got to play nine games. What's wrong with nine conference games? And if they play, yeah. if the SEC goes to nine, that means the only outlier among the Power Five would be the ACC, which would mean they would have to fall in line as well. So everybody presumably naturally is playing a tougher schedule because they're playing nine conference games. Um, it, it, and the, I guess one of the holdups is. Yeah, is it is it the pod system, which I still think is a great idea, um, because that, that gives you three common opponents and the other ones rotate through. Um, you know, what, whatever you want to do, um, I actually seen one and eight, one opponent every single season, and eight rotating ones. But the, I think the key is if you're an LSU player, if you're recruiting at LSU, if you're recruiting at Alabama, if you're recruiting at Florida, if you're recruiting at Georgia. You want to be able to tell kids you're going to play every team in the league at least once while you're here. And yeah. presume, I, I've seen what instances where it could be twice. And, and that's a huge selling point. If you're, if you're Florida or Georgia going into Texas, if you're LSU or Oklahoma going into Florida, you want to be able mm-hmm. to say you're going to play in your home state at least once while you're in college, um, even if you go away from home. Um, mm-hmm. It makes too much sense not to go to nine conference games. That was the Dean Smith way of doing things. He guaranteed you would play in your home That's state right. um, at some point in time in your career as a Tar Heel. Um, if they went three permanent, six rotating, um, take an LSU, for instance. What do you think the three permanent teams would be? I think it would maybe be Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Texas A&M, perhaps. I don't, I don't know. That's Ooh. the thing. And I think that's where everything gets. The further down you you know, doing a deeper dive, that's where I think hackles get raised. Wait a second here, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you just got to suck it up. Um, you know, I, you know, I went to Florida, and when I was in school in the, in the '80s, and when my sisters were in school in the '90s, Florida played Auburn annually. Um, at the time, Florida stopped playing Auburn annually. Florida had played only one team in the league more than Auburn, and that was Georgia. So old rivalries go away in every single league. So I think if you're an LSU fan and you're used to playing Alabama every year, maybe you missed that game, maybe you don't. But, you know, Ole Miss, there's a history there. Um, Texas A&M, it's close by Arkansas. It's a a bordering state, as is obviously Mississippi and Texas. So – um, heck, LSU used to play Tulane all the time, and that's gone by the boards as well. Yep. Nobody um, misses that. that. I, I think that's the issue. So if, if it is a pod, who's in the pod with you? Or if it's just three common opponents, who are your common opponents? Um, okay. But this kind of stuff can be worked out. The SEC's got a lot of people making a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Sit down, uh, use a computer program if you have to. You can do it in a day. And if an AD complains, if you're Sankey, you slap him and say, sit down, this is what we're doing. You say rivalries go away, but 
there's no way they're going to they're, they're going to go away with the Ole Miss Mississippi State game. There's no way they're going to go away with the Alabama Auburn game, right? Right. I would think those was. I think Alabama Auburn is sacrosanct. Um, you do want, you know Georgia Auburn. That's the I think the most played game in the South outside of North Carolina and Virginia. Yeah. Does Tennessee Alabama go by the boards? And let's get serious. Unless you're 50 or older, you don't care about Alabama Tennessee. You know, the third Saturday in October, that lost its luster in the 90s. Um, I would think Florida-Georgia would be an annual game. Um, That that means you have, you know, Georgia right now, oh, that means we got Auburn and Florida every year. Who would our third be? Maybe it's South Carolina. Who knows? I think the goal would be to give every team two, quote-unquote, tough opponents and then one maybe not so tough. Um, And that, you know, the South Carolinas and Vanderbilt, in Mississippi State, and Kentucky's and Missouri um, sort of have to suck it up. Yeah, I'm with you. Mike Hugan, and, um, I certainly hope if they go to nine games that they don't say, okay, because, you know, coaches are finicky because they're scared of losing their jobs, although why would they be scared of losing their job when their buyouts are just astronomical? However, uh, there's always give and take. Uh, we want nine conference games. Okay, but then the, the last three, you can do whatever you want with them. Yeah, I hope, hope that's that. not You're the right. case. You hope they're you know? all not rummy games. Um, and, it, you know, I th- under the current system, you lose two games, you're, you're not going to the playoff. I would argue that in a 12-team playoff, eventually it's going to be 16, we all know that, going nine and three, no big deal. You're just lower yes. seeded. So, yes. um I think it can be done. Up, you know, look, the Pac-12 does it. The Big 12 does it for the most part, and the Big 10 does it for the most part. You play nine conference games. You have one legit Power 5 non-conference opponent. Now, yeah. you know, some of those are, if you're Purdue, you're playing Missouri. And, you know, last year, well, Ohio State's playing Oregon. So that, there is a difference there. Uh, but And then you have one group of five game and maybe one FCS game or two group of five or whatever. But you can still, you can still have two guaranteed wins on your schedule. Um, but I think the problem now with eight, some teams want to have four guaranteed wins on their schedule. And that's in this era where you're charging a hundred bucks a ticket, I think you're antagonizing people. Plus, you want to get to a bowl game. If you're six and six, your fan base ain't happy, even if they saw you beat four rummies at home. So um, I think you can play 10 games against Power Five opponents, one or two against Group of Five, and and maybe one against an FCS team. But again, I think if you ask fans, would you rather us play nine conference games or bring in that FCS patsy every year, every single fan base? even if you're not a good team, says, I want to see the good teams. I don't want to see some FCS team. I, I guess it depends upon where, what side of the bread is buttered. If I'm Vanderbilt, God, give me four pat seats because I want to at least have four wins because I ain't going to win well, anything that, else. That's, you know, they did when Franklin was there, but you're right. I mean, they, the, the heyday of Vanderbilt football was in the 1940s. And, yeah. you know, in the food chain, um, Vanderbilt's down the food chain. They're the, they're yeah. They're – they're 14th, and they're going to be 16th. Yeah. So, um, and that, that again, that's just the way it is. And in your bandy, okay, we're going to be, we're you know, basketball and baseball are, make things different. But exactly, um, it it's it, you know, if you, and if you're also if you're Vanderbilt, what's you know, who are your your uh, 
annual opponents. Obviously, you think Vanderbilt, Tennessee. I think yeah. Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, believe it or not, have played. I think that's Vanderbilt's second most played opponent, Ole Miss. Um, and that's either one of those teams that, would complain. I would argue that if you're an SEC opposing fan base, Nashville's one of the better trips. But I do yeah. know also, you know, if you're Florida, if you're South Carolina, if you're Georgia, if you're Kentucky, I don't need to go to Nashville every other year. I'd much right. rather go to Austin or yeah. Fayetteville or yeah. Norman or Baton Rouge instead of going to Nashville every other year. I'm with you. And I think the fans' voice has has sounded loud about this because of their absence from games. That's uh, true, yeah. Unless it's a pack unless it's a great team, you don't get many sellouts and people leave early because it's just a it's a long day. And it's expensive. Again, yes. it goes back to you buy season tickets, you're sort of trapped, but even then, okay, if you're yeah, if you're LSU's playing New Mexico, New Mexico's horrendous. One of the yes. 10 worst teams in the country. That game yes. is on September 24th. I guarantee you there's going to be 10 games on TV that even the most passionate Tigers fan is going to I go, agree. man, I'm going to miss that to go watch LSU beat New Mexico by 45. Right. And right. at some point, yeah, I think more and more people are deciding, I want to sit at home in front of my big screen, not have to pay for parking, not have to pay yep. 10 bucks for a Coke. Um, I, you know, not have to sit in the, sit, you know, in the, it's going to be hot in Baton Rouge on September 24th, I presume, or at least humid. So, um, you know, again, passionate fans are different. It's the casual fan that's going to be, I ain't going to that game. Just like if you're a Florida fan, I ain't going to watch them play Eastern Washington. Come on. That's a dog. No matter how many bells and whistles and how much alcohol they allow sold in the, in the stadium, those kind of people just aren't going to go. And I don't fault no, them I at think, all. Yeah, and and at some point, you're right. I mean, if if you're if you have a sellout, you're expecting okay, we made this much money from tickets. Plus, we're going to have a huge day at the concession stand. When right. you bring in Eastern Washington, oh, maybe your concession take drops by thirty percent, and that's what bottom line oriented ads and every ad for the most part is bottom line oriented starts to notice because again. Right. You, 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 and then I think if you're an LSU fan, let's use LSU in Florida because you went to LSU, I went to Florida. If you're a Florida fan, you get sick of playing South Carolina every year. Do LSU mm-hmm. fans really care about playing Mississippi State every year? No. no. No, no. So bring in somebody different and let me go somewhere different. Yeah, now, that's I'm with what you. I think the, the nine conference games would allow that to happen. I'm with you. Um, Mike Hugan and on3.com. Maybe I, I always wonder why. Okay, let's say LSU's playing Mexico, New Mexico State, whatever. Well, that ticket's going to cost you 10 bucks. But when you play Alabama, that thing's going to cost you 400 right. bucks. You know, but that's, I, I, that's how it works. That should, uh, and you're right. That should, if you want to sell your stadium out, you're right. If I'm a casual fan, well, I can go see the Tigers play for 10 bucks, even if they're going to beat the other team's butt, maybe I'll go to that. I ain't paying regular price to see a, a bad game, though. So that's, you're right, sort of like um, it's like going to see the Rolling Stones for 150 or going to see one of my favorite guys, J.D. McPherson. I can see him for 15. So that's, you're right, that's, there's a big difference there. Mike Hugan on 3.com. Uh, we found out Monday the names of the players that were uh, on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Tim Tebow, one of them. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? 
I would think so, yes. I mean, he clicks all the boxes um, for the Football Hall of Fame in terms of, you know, um, respect for the game, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A, a, a super nice guy. Um, obviously was not a good NFL player. Though he did win one playoff game. But, yeah, I, I would think that if if you can ask 100 casual extremely casual college football fans, all 100 know who Tim Tebow is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and you know, some won, people, you know, he won two national titles. He was a starter for one of them, uh, graduated uh, with a bunch of SEC and even NCAA records. He was the first guy to run for 20 touchdowns and throw for 20 in the same season. So there's right. a lot of historic, uh, you know, that, that, that's not that big a deal anymore. Um, but it, it's he's got some historic impact. Um, plus, again, everybody knows him, and he is polarizing because a lot of folks don't like him. Uh, right. But right. I think he is going to get in on the first ballot. Yeah, some people didn't like because he preaks about his faith too much. Um, That's didn't true. look yeah. like a quarterback. His NFL experience uh, was nothing like his experience at Florida. He had comeback attempts in baseball and football, and those were both awful. Uh, but I, those don't matter. Uh, this is what he did on the college football college field. field. That's, and there's that's you know and he was pretty like good. Eric, Dick, Eric Dickerson didn't get in until like three years ago, which is one of the stupidest things. And yes, he was one of the greatest running backs of his yes. era, and it was yes. almost like, well, you know, SMU cheated to get him. Well, they had, well, yeah, they had the NIL deal before NIL existed. That's I was going to say if if players who their schools cheated to get. Uh, were, were kept out of the college football thing, it'd be half full. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All right, Michael Huguenin on 3.com. Uh, thanks for another hump day edition. It's uh, it, it's my highlight of the week, and it's always fun. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. I always enjoy it, man. Talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks. You got it. Thank you. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, it's time to wrap this thing up. Special thanks to our guest, Ali Cassell, on the NBA Finals. John Hendricks uh, previewing Saints um, mandatory minicamp next week. Mike Scarborough on the LSU football recruiting front. And Michael Huguenin, all things in the SEC. Today is your birthday, June the 8th. Happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your day with 46-year-old Kanye West. And former LSU Tiger linebacker Gabe Northern is 48 years young today. Uh, James Mesh, thank you, sir. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. That's the most important thing. Be kind to one another. And um, let's be happy. So long, everybody.